I want you to take your Bible. I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to call your attention to verse 4. Notice what the Scripture says in 1 Kings 19 and 4. It says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I want to take a few moments and I want to talk to you about when you need a life lift. When you need a life lift. You know, I want to mention some names today and see if you know some of these people. Uh, the name Halle Berry. Halle Berry. She's a, an actress that one time was married to the Atlanta Brave, uh, Dave Justice. Halle Berry. There's another name, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw was the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and I used to despise Terry Bradshaw because they'd always beat the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys were my team. Another name is Johnny Carson. Here's Johnny. Remember Johnny Carson? And then there was Abe Lincoln, probably the greatest president the United States of America has ever known. Somebody said to President Lincoln one time, they said, President Lincoln, you're two-faced. He said, I'm not two-faced. He said, if I was two-faced, there's no way I'd wear this face. Amen. Abe Lincoln, and then Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. I've been confused with him a lot of times. Brad Pitt. You don't have to laugh that loud, but anyway, then there's uh, David Letterman. We all remember David Letterman and know David Letterman. Then there's one of my favorite, Mark Twain. Mark Twain, my favorite quote by Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, if a cat ever sits on a hot stove, It'll never sit on a hot stove again. But he said, you know, that cat won't sit on a cold stove either. That cat just don't like stoves, amen? Sometimes in life we sit on a hot stove. And then, folks, there's the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, uh, probably the first pastor, no, probably, definitely, the first preacher ever to pastor a megachurch. I looked at those people from... Uh, diversities, diversities of backgrounds and aspects of life. But you know something? Every one of those people that I showed you a picture of and I spoke their name today, they all have something in common. You said, Brother Benny, wonder, wonder what Halle Berry and Charles Spurgeon have in common. Here's what they all have in common. They all battle discouragement. They all, to their own testament, said, we battle discouragement. And you know, folks, I want to be just as transparent as I possibly can be with you today. I, think, I don't think we can help people unless we're transparent with people. To be honest with you, we could have put my picture up there. I could have put my picture up there right with those people. Because I want you to know something. Discouragement is something that I'm constantly battling. It's something that I realize is a part of my life. I battle it. But I realize, folks, there's victory in the Lord. Amen? There's victory in the Lord. And this is what I know. If you live life, there are going to be some discouraging times. You know, you hear these preachers, happy clappies, but it's not that way. It's not all happy clappies. Sometimes there'll be hardships, and sometimes there'll be discouraging things in life. What I've learned about life is 
Sometimes life don't turn out just like you had planned for life to turn out. Sometimes it don't end up just like you had planned for life to end up. You know, throughout my life, even in our early days of marriage, I used to say to Barbara, Barbara, we're going to have two girls. For some reason, I, I, I just knew that God wasn't going to give me a son. I knew that God wasn't going to give me boys. I don't know. It may have been because they'd get me for child abuse if I had boys. But I knew if I had girls, uh, maybe perhaps they'd get my heart and they'd be daddy's girls. But I always thought I was going to have two girls. I always believed that. And first part of it, it took place just as planned. And I had the most precious daughter, Savannah Abigail, that I love with all my heart. And several years after Savannah Abigail, I don't know most of you are not aware of it, but uh, we had a second child. We had a little girl by the name of Cheyenne. We took Cheyenne in our home, foster to adopt. We was planning to adopt her just like we adopted Savannah Abigail. And what I found, I found myself leaving work early to go home and see Cheyenne. And I'd put Cheyenne on my chest, and I'd just pat her little bottom. She was so precious. She was there in her home. Barbara and I were raised her, and like I said, she stayed with us about five months, and I could just tell I was her favorite. She was a precious little girl. We was planning to adopt Cheyenne, but the agency's plan was apparently, and it was reunification. Now, I remember the day came, and they told us that we was going to have to give up Cheyenne. And we put Cheyenne in the car, and I, Barbara and Savannah got in the car, and we drove little Cheyenne to the agency. Now, I remember Barbara and I walked in there and placed little Cheyenne over. We went back home, and I said to Barbara and Savannah, I want you all to leave. I want you to go. Just go away for a while. And I went into the bedroom, and I started taking the baby bed apart, and I started removing all the decorations, and I started packing up all of her clothes, and I started putting her clothes in boxes and carrying the clothes up into the attic and changing the room because uh, I wanted it to look different when Barbara and Savannah came home. And I got everything packed up, and that night at Rock Springs Church, we was having graduation from Vacation Bible School. And I remember I was to open the graduation, and I said, tonight I've got to put on a happy face. I've got to stand up before the people, and I've got to smile and tell them how wonderful Vacation Bible School's been, but deep inside I was dying. Now, here's what I know, folks. I'm not trying to get your pity. I'm not trying to get your sympathy because you've got a story just like my story. You've got a story just like my story. I don't, I'm not, not anything special. You've gone through a discouraging time. And if you haven't gone through a discouraging time, folks, here's what I know for sure. You're going to go through a discouraging time. I think Zig Ziglar said it best. Zig Ziglar summed it up like this. He said, if we treat everybody as if they're hurting, you'll be treating 90% of the people correctly. If you treat everybody as if they're hurting, you'll be treating 90% of the people correctly. Now, I'm not talking about depression. I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about discouragement. And certainly discouragement can lead to depression. <laughs> One doctor said you treat depression by taking Prozac, but you treat discouragement by taking courage. Discouragement is when you lose heart. Depression is when you lose hope. You see, folks, people are discouraged for a lot of reasons. Some people are discouraged because of situations. Let me tell you something. Life happens, and life can bring discouragement. Some people are discouraged because of systemic 
You say, what are you talking about? Not situations, but systemic. I'm talking about some people are discouraged because physically they're prone to it. Hormonally, they're prone to it. Genetically, they're prone to it. Situations, systemic. Some people are discouraged because of Satan. It's an attack of Satan. And some people are discouraged because of spiritual reasons. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Here's what I know. Sometimes God will put you to bed in the dark. And you know what I've learned? When you're going through a discouraging time, <laughs> sometimes even well-meaning people can discourage you. I heard about one husband who was uh, very discouraged, and he looked over at his wife and he said, Honey, I feel old, fat, bald, useless, and stupid. She looked at him and said, Honey, don't be silly. You're not that old. <laughs> well, you know what I know, folks? If you're discouraged, you're in good company. You say, Pastor Benny, what do you mean I'm in good company? Well, some of the greatest individuals of the Bible got very discouraged. Do you realize Moses, who was the meekest man upon the face of the earth, the one that God chose to lead the children of Israel? Do you realize that this man on one occasion got so discouraged that he prayed to die? Do you realize the man that we're going to study about today, Elijah, got so discouraged, he got under a juniper tree, and he prayed to die. Now, this guy that we're going to study about, let, let, me, let me tell you about Elijah. This guy raised a widow's son from the dead. I've got to preach a funeral tomorrow. Could you imagine if Pastor Benny was like Elijah? They would say, my goodness, get him here. Because he'll pray and the person will probably resurrect. That was what Elijah did. He raised a widow's son from the dead. Let me, let me tell you about this guy. This guy said there's going to be a drought that it's not going to rain. And there was a drought and it didn't rain. And then this guy prayed. And God sent the rain. This is the guy who defeated 450 false prophets of Baal. But I want you to get this, folks. This great leader, this great saint of God, that, by the way, I don't have time to deal with this, is going to come back during the tribulation period and preach. I mean, this guy was taken to heaven in a whirlwind. He was something else. But this guy got so discouraged, he got under a broom tree. And he said, Lord, just let me die. Just let me die. Well, how do we, Pastor, how do we, how do we handle it when we need a life lift? What do we do? When we need a life lift, let me give you three quick things. The first thing, folks, when you need a life lift is this. Realize it. Realize it. If you're discouraged, 
That doesn't mean you're mentally challenged. If you're discouraged, that's nothing to be ashamed about. That's no reason to feel like a failure. Many times discouragement makes you feel like a failure. But if you're discouraged, here's the advice I'd give you, folks. This is the most important advice I'd say. Just realize it. Hey, I'm discouraged. You just got to own it. I, I heard about a guy that was driving down the road, and he was weaving all over the highway. And the officer saw him. Officer saw him and saw he was weaving, and he pulled him over. And the officer knew what was going on. And he said, sir, I need you to breathe into this breathalyzer. And the man said, I can't. I'm asthmatic. I've got asthma. And I just can't breathe into that breathalyzer. Well, that upset the officer. And he said, sir, I'm going to take you down to the office, and I'm going to need to get a blood sample. I'm going to need to get some blood from you. He said, no, no, I, I can't go down. I'm hemophiliac. And if I give blood, I'll bleed to death. The officer was more irritated. He said, sir, we're going down to the office because I'm going to get a urine sample from you. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I, 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 I can't give a urine sample. He said, I'm, I, I'm diabetic, and that will cause me to go into diabetic shock. shock. By that time, the officer was so frustrated. He said, sir, step out of this car and walk a straight line. He said, no, no, I, I, I can't get out of the car, and I can't walk a straight line. He said, why can't you get out of the car and walk a straight line? He said, because I'm drunk. Now, here's what I'll say. I don't condone the drinking, but I do admire the man's honesty in the fact that he owned it. And, folks, the first step to getting past any problem, the first step to getting past any problem in our lives is we've got to accept it, we've got to realize it, we've got to take ownership of it. We've got to take ownership. We've got, as we say, we've got a man up or we've got a woman up. And we've got to say, it's not, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> so we realize it. Let me tell you the second thing. I'd say when you're going through a discouraging time, not only realize it, but rationalize it. Rationalize it. What you, what you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about sitting down and process why you're discouraged. Folks, let me, let me make you aware of something that may seem a little boring to you. You're probably not aware of it. Do you realize that 1,700 pastors every month leave the ministry? 1,700 pastors, 1,700 men and women say, I don't want to pastor anymore, and they walk completely away from the ministry. And here's what's bad, folks. I travel and I try to help pastors because I have a heart for pastors and I have a, have a heart for pastors' mates. But you know what happens? 
The pastor will preach on Sunday morning, and he'll stand at the door, and there'll be 15 people come out the door and say, I really enjoyed the message. The message really helped me. But let me tell you, I've been doing this 35 years. There'll be one joy sucker come out the door. <laughs> There'll be one that can give an aspirin a headache. And they'll make a comment to that pastor. And you know what I know about those pastors, as precious as individuals as they are, they won't remember those 15 compliments. They'll get consumed with that one complaint. And you know what I know, folks, about people? We have the propensity to do the same thing. When we're going through discouraging times, we have a tendency just to focus on those few discouraging things. We'll focus on the two things we don't like about our jobs rather than the 20 things that we love about our jobs. We'll focus on the two relationships that are not right in our lives rather than the 25 relationships that are wonderful that the Lord's given us. See, what, what God's saying is you need to rationalize it. You need to, see, here's what you do. Sometimes people say, I'm never going to find a job. Well, here, let me give you some good news. Yes, you are. You're going to find a job. It's going to work out. We shouldn't tell ourselves you're never going to find a job. You, 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 you're going to find a job. Well, unemployment rate now is only at 4.7. You're going to find a job. And some of those don't want to be employed. I learned a long time ago, just because a man is seeking employment doesn't mean he's seeking work. Somebody said, Pastor, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, our marriage is not going to make it. Well, it, it may. It may make it. But can I say something to you folks? If you do your best, that's all you can do. And if your marriage don't make it and you do your best, it's not the end of the world. And here's what I want to, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I believe this wherever fiber my being if you honor God and you do what's right, if you honor God and you do what's right, God's going to send you somebody better than you had before. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, what if Rock Springs Church fired you? This is what I know. If Rock Springs Church was foolish enough to fire me, God's got a better place for me if I just honor him. And if you honor God, God's going to honor you. Now, folks, let me tell you, there's a couple of things. I, I got to move. I'm running out of time. But there's a couple of things that Elijah did that I want to encourage you not to do. First of all, don't give in. If you look at verse 3, Elijah gave in to fear. He gave in to fear. When, when Jezebel sent word, it says, and when he saw that, he just became very fearful. He gave in to fear. Think about that word, discourage. Discourage. It drains you of your courage. 
This is all I'm going to say. And I, I'm, I'm, I've got to move on because I'm, I'm running out of time. Elijah could handle 450 men, but one woman got him in trouble. <laughs> Powerful message right there. <laughs> Powerful message. It's amazing you'll be talking to some of these guys and they're big, bad, and that little wife can call, hello, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm coming to you. I'm going to have to let you go, Brother Benny. Click. Hi, darling. <laughs> you say, Pastor, how do you, how, how do, how do you handle fear? Well, look what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You say, Well, Pastor Benny, how can we say, I will not fear? Well, you've got to read verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 13. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Here's what I'd say to you. Don't do what Elijah did. Don't give in. But let me tell you the second thing to do. Don't do what Elijah did. Don't give up. Elijah got under a juniper tree. Here's what I'd say to you folks. No matter what's going, in your, going on in your life, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, after it rains sometimes, a mushroom will come up in your yard. Within six hours, pops up. Let me tell you something, but you can take your foot and kick it over. But then you'll look out there and you'll see an oak tree in big massive limbs, weathered the storms. It's taken 60 years. Let me tell you something. I don't want to be a mushroom. I want to be an oak tree. And I got to thinking about it. I told Barbara one day, I said, I want to be an oak tree. And she said, honey, you are. I said, why do you say that? She said, an oak tree is just a nut that refused to quit. <laughs> oh, listen, folks. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're traveling seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tin of the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. You may be near when it seems so far, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you must not quit. You know what I'd say? You said, Brother Benny, uh, my marriage is going bad. Don't quit. My job's going bad. Stick in there. Oh, the church is going difficult. Oh, just stick in there. Just stick in there. You say, Brother Benny, how did you make it 27 years at one church? Was it all good? No, no, no. You just stick in there. You just stick in there. You just stick in there. Let me tell you something. One day Barbara's going to get to heaven. God's going to give her a purple heart. God's going to say, you're the greatest woman to live with that man. A man who's an opinionated as that man is. A man who's as hard-headed as that man is. A man who was gone as much as that man was. What do you do, folks? You just stick in there. We live in a world, we live in a world, oh, Johnny, you don't like baseball, just quit. Let me tell you, if you sign Johnny up, you make him finish the season. It's not a time of quitting, folks. It's a time we need to stick in there. 
Don't you long for somebody who's just going to stick in there? How do you handle it? You realize it? You rationalize it? Let me give you one more and I'm done. How do you remedy it? How do you, how do you remedy it? Now, here's what I want you to understand, folks. There's nothing wrong with getting discouraged, but there is something wrong with staying discouraged. There's nothing wrong with getting down. Pastor Benny's been down many, many times, but there is something wrong with staying down. And when Elijah was down, God said, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. There's three things I want you to do. He said, number one, I want you to lie down. Lie down. It's in verse 6. He said, Elijah, you've been on a long fast. And he said, Elijah, you just ran 18 miles. You need to get some rest. You need to get some rest. You know, sometimes when we're discouraged, we just need to get some rest. And he said, Elijah, you need to lie down. You need to eat. I'm going to feed you with some angel food. You know what the angel food was? Banana pudding. <laughs> you say, well, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say it was banana pudding. doesn't say it wasn't smart aleck. <laughs> banana pudding. Lie down. Get you some rest. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of all men. He said, I want you to lie down. Got to get some rest. But he said, there's a second thing I want you to do. I want you to look up. Not only lie down, Elijah, but he said, I want you to look up. You're having a pity, pity party. And folks, you can have a pity party. The only problem about a pity party is nobody comes to your party and nobody brings a gift. Look up. Let me share something with you folks. Every time in my life when I've gone through a discouraging time, I got my eyes on something or somebody and off the Lord. Every time in my life. But Hebrews 12 and 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Every time I've got, I've got my eyes on this situation, I've got my eyes on that situation, that's what I, I want you to know something, folks. We, we don't look to people. I, I love you. I love you, and I appreciate you loving me. But I want you to hasten, I want to hasten to say, you don't, you don't look to me, you look to the Lord. We're here to worship the Lord. Whether it's in our music, our worship, whether it's in our preaching, I want you to know the focus is on one person. That one person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you dare make it about anybody else. Don't you dare make it anybody else about anybody else because you're taking glory from God the moment you do that. And God said, I won't share my glory with any man. It's not about any individual. It's about God. We're here to worship him. He said, you lie down. He said, you look up. But he said, there's, there's one other thing I want you to do. He said, I want you to listen hard. I want you to listen hard. Look what verse 11 and 12 says. I'm almost done. And he said, go forth. 
and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong and wind rent the mountains and break in pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You know what that means, a still small voice? It means a gentle whisper. Now, the sheriff is back here today. Happy birthday, sheriff. You know, if I could whisper something to the sheriff, I'd say this. Sheriff, when you see my Yukon, <laughs> don't give me a ticket. But you know, I can't whisper to the sheriff because the sheriff is too far away. And the sheriff can't whisper to me because I'm too far away. Here's what I've learned. Now, hold on. This is deep. You can only whisper to somebody if they're real close to you. And the Lord can only whisper to us if we're real close to him. And here's what I've learned. Sometimes it takes a valley for God to be able to whisper to us. Sometimes it takes a low time for God to be able to whisper to us. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way. But she left me none the wiser for all that she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. Not a word said she, but oh, the wiser I was when sorrow walked with me. Billy Graham said, mountaintops are for the views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. And as they softly play, I thought, what a beautiful picture of life. We might get down, but God doesn't want us to stay down, folks. He's the lifter of our heads. He wants us to get back up because he's got a great plan and he's got a purpose. Not sin to get down, but it is sin to stay down. And God wants to give us a life lift. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sins. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now. 
to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.